0: Welcome to The Breach, a Charlie Mike podcast. I'm Ty Braxton, and I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen in today. We're a group of Christians that discuss issues surrounding us today and how to build our faith and strengthen our walk with the Lord. We want to provide you with tools so that you can Charlie Mike. Charlie Mike is better understood as continue mission, and we want you to be able to Charlie Mike in your own mission field. Let's get started. Welcome to The Breach, Season 3, Episode 3, and the title of this one is going to be called Feed me, feed me. Sounds like uh, a lot of things that come from Christians mouths uh, that fill the church in today's Western world. They just want to be fed all the time. You know, you can hear people say that I got to go get fed. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. We got to get fed. Church gatherings are vital to the Christian walk and we need to be fed. But how are we using what we're fed That's the question, and it's essential to growth. And what I mean by growth, I mean uh, we gain understanding. We learn about the Word of God, and we gain revelation a lot of times from this. This is super important because if we want to understand what God wants for our lives, we got to go get fed. we got to spend time with the Word on a personal level and pray and see what God has for us. But the problem is... Uh, we treat the church like it's some type of slop trough, like pigs eat out of, and we want to get fat off of it and we don't want to use it to turn into good energy. And I'm not saying like, Oh, we need to find our energy. No, I'm saying when we eat, we gain energy. How are we using that energy? Are we using it to store up and hoard and get fat off of it? Or are we using it to benefit the kingdom? Now, we we go and get fed, but then we walk around like we're super complacent, we're lazy, we want to be comfortable, and uh, the enemy eats us up because we're easy targets. And a lot of times we want to avoid any confrontation or anything that will put us out of our comfort zone. And many feel like they're missing something, and it's because on Sunday or Sunday night they get fed, Monday morning they're already depleted because they went in for the wrong reason. They went in to get fed me, 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 that me, me, me mentality that, hey, God's here for you and the Bible is about you and many blessings. And that's not the case. The Bible's not about us. But we keep going back to the churches that make us feel good because we feel like we're actually getting fed. But it's really just junk food because they've, they've turned away from the Bible preaching. They go to be served. Instead of learning how to serve. Many times the ministry that we're getting, um, it stops in the pew because nothing we are being taught, nothing we are being fed is being applied to our lives. And these people are looking for that momentary fulfillment of comfort and the feel good instead of the fulfilling of the Great Commission. They want the reward without The work, and as an example, I'll 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 talk about a personal example. When I was in high school, like all I cared about was sports, and I I did not do well in school. And my dad, he confronted me about this, in you know a parent's way of disciplinary action. And he just asked me straight out. He's like, "Do you want to make A's?" I was like, "Of course, I want to make A's." And he said, "Do you want to do the work to make A's?" And I said, "No." I do not want to do the work to make an A. I wanted an easy A. And he looked at me and he said, You don't want the A. And I didn't really appreciate it at the time because I just, you know, teenagers know everything and we don't want to be corrected. We get offended very easily. And many Christians today are more focused on God's blessing than they are on God's assignment for their life. They want the A without doing the work. They want the blessing, the blessing, the blessing. And if we're not going to compete to complete the mission, then we will lose access to the supply room. We have supply sergeants who issue us out gear in the military so we can go complete the mission. If we're not gonna go complete the mission, there is no reason for us to go to the supply room. It makes zero sense. When this happens, we become offended and upset when the supply room is shut down. Why, why can't I get what I need? Well, you don't need it because you're not going to use it. That's why you don't have access. But then when this happens, we become upset with the leadership. We say, hey, captain, you know, or hey, first sergeant, why am I not be able to get this? This is your fault. You won't let me have what I want. And that's the problem. We're not getting what we want. So we accuse the leadership, and and this happens in churches all over the nation. They go to be fed, but if they don't get what makes them feel good, then there's error with the leadership. They're wrong. They're not giving me what God has for me. And they get offended, and they leave to go to a church that will stroke their laziness. But what the Lord is giving people that are looking for just comfort is something that they need to be equipped for the assignment. But they don't want that because that means work. And that's why so many churches we see today, they've stopped preaching the gospel pretty much, or they've shut down the movement of the Holy Spirit because, you know, the Bible is not about us. And people don't like that. They want things to be about them. It's about giving God the glory, but many people don't want to give God the glory. They want to keep it for themselves. They want to hoard it for themselves because it makes them feel important. So these people, they, they keep going to the trough to eat the slop because in the moment, it feels good. It fills their belly up, but there's no nourishment. It fades because they can't. we can't find ourselves. We hear that all the time. We always need to find ourselves. You need to find yourself. And we have people saying, I'm trying to find myself. <laughs> you need to find God and cling to his word because that's the meat that we've talked about in previous episodes. There's a multitude of scriptures that I could go to with this. um, But one of the books of the Bible that I'm going to kind of focus on tonight is in Exodus In Exodus 16. We see the Israelites doing all kinds of childish things, and a child, if you've ever, you know, noticed a child, they don't have to be taught the word "mine." They will fight and fight and fight over what <laughs> most of the time doesn't even belong to them. They will grab onto it and say "mine," and they will fight to the death to keep that thing that is not mine. It says here in chapter sixteen. Verse two through three, it says, then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Now, they're in the wilderness. They're complaining because they're not comfortable. They just got, they just left slavery, but yet they're not happy. So they go against their leadership. Like it's their fault. They just saw God perform all these things in Egypt and they're going to attack Moses and Aaron. And it's, and it continues in verse three, it says, and the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died at by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now it's really funny that when we get into these positions where we're not very comfortable the the enemy will put this thing in our mind that makes us think where we were was better than where God has brought us. So we don't continue with God and we'll be fed with that. And we will believe that it is better than what God has at the table. He has set for us. So once again, We see the Israelites complaining. I mean, this isn't something new. We see this in Egypt, even like Moses is there to free them. And they're just like, oh, you hate us. And oh, what have you done to us? And like, and I'm just thinking, and I can only imagine what Moses is thinking. He's probably thinking, I am here to free you from slavery. God has sent me to free you from slavery. And you are complaining. I mean, what could be worse than slavery? These people are getting treated so badly. But we see that the children, uh, because they're acting like children, honestly, they get hungry and act like God is going to let them die. After everything he has done to bring them to this point, they act like God's just going to let them die. But yet, even though they test God and say, "Look, you know, God, I think you're wrong. God still provides for them. He provides and then tests them with directions in verse four later in chapter 16 uh, verse seven through eight it says and in the morning you shall see the glory of the lord for he hears your complaints against the lord now earlier we see the complaints against moses and aaron so what's going on right here moses is telling the children of israel what are we that you complain against us Also, Moses said, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full. So pretty much what they were complaining about missing out on in Egypt, you know, feasting out, God's going to give them exactly that. For the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. When you have a pastor, a leader, Coming in front of a congregation, preaching the word of God, and people feel like, oh, this is offensive to me. Why would you do that? Like it's the pastor writing scripture and then reading it to the congregation. No, this is the word of God. When you're upset, you need to be upset with God because he's the one who's responsible for the Bible. This is not your leadership. The leadership is just being obedient like Moses and Aaron in this position you're not complaining against them in reality. You're, you're saying, God, you're wrong. I am doing the right thing. Even though it's going against your word, you are wrong. But Moses did not take offense <laughs> to complaining against him because he knew that he was following God. And if they were complaining about where Moses was going, then they had a problem with God because they were here. They were his directions. Moses is pretty much saying, don't complain against me. I didn't make these plans. I'm just the messenger. So once again, in chapter 16, we see verse 25 through 31. It says, Moses said, eat that today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Uh, in chapter 16, 25 through 31, it says, then Moses said, eat that today for today is Sabbath to the Lord. Today, you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments? and my laws see for the lord has given you the sabbath therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days let even man remain in his place let no man go out of the place on the seventh day so the people rested on the seventh day and the house of israel called its name manna so what's funny to me is when i was reading this i was thinking okay so many people go to church to get fed And then I started thinking about, you know, what about throughout the week? We need to be fed during the week, right? So that's where personal time comes in. That's when prayer time, devotions, we need to be feeding ourselves. We need to be not even feeding ourselves, really. We need to be making ourselves available to God so that we can feed off what he has for us. We need to gather throughout the week so we can eat. But there are those who will not gather. And that's the problem here in chapter 16. God provides the food. It's available. But some people don't gather throughout the week. We see people going to church on that seventh day, and they expect to get enough food for the entire week when they have not been gathering food for the rest of the week. And that's why they end up empty on Monday morning. They try to fill up on Sunday, and then they're like, I'm just not getting what I need. No, you're not gathering what you need. That's the problem. And the problem is here with, they're not gathering is they're not gathering because what is made available offends them. And we see the Israelites pretty much being offended by the manna because they're sick of it. They're also offended because they know they can't partake in what is being offered because they have disobedience in their lives. Not only are they not gathering, but they're not completing the assignment that has been given to them, which they can't complete unless they are gathering. Unless they're in the word of God, unless they're fellowshipping with God, praying, having a relationship with God, they don't want to do the work. They don't want to gather. So when the food is offered to be gathered or for them to be fed, they don't want it. It offends them. Now, I'm going to go ahead and skip through a lot of the scripture from Exodus. I mean, it is over and over, chapter by chapter. The Israelites making the same complaints. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Things were so much better when our lives were being threatened and we were living in slavery. They're tired of walking. They're tired of gathering. They're tired of where God leads them. They're tired of it. So they, all they do is complain to Moses. They complain to Aaron. They complain before God. They're testing God. They're saying, Hey, is he really God? And when this happens, they think they have a solution. They can solve everything. God has brought them out of Egypt. They've seen what God can do. They have seen him part the Red Sea. They have seen him like give provision to them, but they're still not happy. So what do they do? They can't wait a few days for Moses to come down from a mountain. So they say, hey, let's make our own God. So this is when they make the golden calf. I'm sure everybody's familiar with this story, but they take all the plunder that God has provided for them through Egypt. They gather jewelry and gold, and this is from their enemies that God has delivered them from and they make a golden calf and then they say this this god that we have created has delivered us from Egypt and provided for us and i mean it's total insanity now what we see here is when there's a delay doubt sets in and people normally try to do things on their own and you know out of impatience and normally impatience leads to disobedience. Here we see that priests can conform to satisfy the people. They know who brought them out of Egypt and try to change the narrative, yet it becomes their truth because they choose evil over truth and and they're comfortable with it. And we see this from many leaders here in the Western world. They conform to the demands of the people. They treat the church like a marketplace, pretty much. You know, the place where Jesus started flipping tables. They start selling them what they want to be fed. When when Moses and Joshua are coming down from the mountain, Joshua said, It sounds like war. Now he recognized the sound of war because he had fought in war. And after being obedient with Moses on the mountain, They had no idea what they were walking into. Aaron said, when they got down, they said, You know, what's going on here? Aaron said, You know, these people, they are set on evil. So Aaron knew that these people were set on evil because he's their spiritual leader, he's the priest but he caved like so many other church leaders to what the people are hungry for. Moses pleads to God for mercy for the people who disobeyed him. Moses is still contending for these people. He is still trying to help them find their freedom in God. He doesn't give up on them. And that is hard as a leader. When you are doing the right thing and you are trying to contend for people and they just don't want any part of it because it's, it's not easy. And yet here's Moses still standing in the gap for him, interceding for these people. So later we see more of their travels. They actually get to the promised land and they send out spies. They are so close to the promise of God. And they send out these spies. There's 12 of them. I bet you can't name the 10 that gave a bad report. But we know of Caleb and Joshua because they gave the report that trusted in the promise of God. And when the people heard it, all the congregation said to stone them with stones. So Caleb and Joshua, they say, if the Lord delights in us, he will deliver. Now, this is a conviction moment, a turning from the wicked ways. Which feels like condemnation. You know, if you're in the wrong, a lot of times it'll feel like condemnation. Like we're being judged. Like there's no hope for us at all. But Caleb and Joshua says, if he delights in us, there's a chance he could still delight in you. If you will soften your heart and accept the correction and turn from your wicked ways. That means you're currently in the wicked ways, but hey, you can turn from them. There's a way out. This was an invitation to join in the victory now instead of never, because when you go into the wilderness to die, you're not going to experience that victory. But since these Israelites were offended, they wanted to stone the only two men willing to obey God. Just because there are people who are afraid to live out the faith that you live out, it doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means it exposes their hesitant and complacent lack of faith. And Jesus said, we should lack nothing. Oh, you thought that was about money, huh? You thought that was about appeasing the fleshly desires that Paul say we must kill every single day. They want their food for free. They want the milk and the honey, but they don't want to do what is necessary. They want to be served, but not to serve. They choose bondage over freedom and territory. So I was reading Oswald Chambers, uh, my utmost for his highest. And in May 21st, the devotional for May 21st, it says, having God's unreasonable faith. In Matthew six thirty-three is the scripture he uses for this day. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Not seek ye first your own desires and what makes life easier. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So Oswald Chambers says, when we look at these words of Jesus, we immediately find them to be the most revolutionary that human ears have ever heard. Seek first the kingdom of God. Even the most spiritual minded of us argue the exact opposite, saying, but I must live. I must make a certain amount of money. I must be clothed. I must be fed. He continues, The great concern of our lives is not the kingdom of God, but how we are going to take care of ourselves to live. Jesus reversed the order by telling us to get the right relationship with God first, maintaining it as the primary concern of our lives, and never to place our concern on taking care of the other things of life. It says in chapter 6, verse 25, do not worry about your life. Our Lord pointed out that from his standpoint, it is absolutely unreasonable for us to be anxious, worrying about how we will live. Jesus did not say that the person who takes no thought for anything in his life is blessed. No, that person is a fool. But Jesus did teach that his disciple must make his relationship with God the dominating focus of his life and to be cautiously carefree about everything else in comparison to that. And that's pretty much what I was telling you about gathering during the week. My day of rest is on Saturday, but I still get up and and have my devotional time. I still want to be fed because I'm hungry. I'm hungry for the things of God. And on Sunday, it's, I mean, we are all out going all out in worship, going all out in the word being taught. You can never stop learning. Nothing, nothing you get from the Bible is ever enough. Anything you get from God, there's you're, it's just never enough. Yes. God is enough, but you always want more because you're hungry for the things of God. Here's the thing. When we eat actual food, it gives us energy. I kind of mentioned this before early on in the podcast, how we use that energy reflects on our health. If we use it to work out, we become stronger. If we use it at our job, we can be productive. When we use it in service to others, we are impacting the kingdom. But when we hoard it for ourselves, it fades away quickly because we can't satisfy ourselves. We should always want the more of God, but to what end? Do we get to give or do we get to inhale and let it fill us to the point we are out of shape and useless for the things of God? Oswald Chambers had another devotional. It was a February 9th devotional. And I know a lot of people get (laughs) exhausted. I mean, they have busy schedules and then, you know, sometimes church can go long. Like revival kicks in and that's the topic. I mean, this is something that we really wanted to talk about for revivals for season three, because this is something that can hinder revival is the feed me mentality. Yes, we need to be fed. But when the me, when the emphasis is on the me, that's when it becomes a problem. On February 9th, the title is, are you exhausted spiritually? Isaiah 40, 28, it says, The everlasting God neither faints nor is weary. So Oswald Chambers says exhaustion means that our vital energies are completely worn out and spent. Now remember, food gives us energy. Spiritual exhaustion is never the result of sin, but of service. Whether or not you experience exhaustion will depend on where you get your supplies. Jesus said to Peter, Feed my sheep. But he gave him nothing with which to feed them. And that's in John 21, 17. Oswald Chambers continues and says, The process of being made broken bread and poured out wine means that you have to be the nourishment for other people's souls until they learn to feed on God. So, I mean, the, the hindering thing of revival is when we think that we just constantly need to be fed. Yes, we need to be gathering. We need to be fed. But when we think that our assignment is to be fed and to be served, then we lose sight of our purpose. We need to be broken bread and poured out wine to be nourishment for other people. We need to be fed so that we can pour it out to other people. We need to feed those who don't know about God. Oswald Chamber says, continually look back. To the foundation of your love and affection, and remember where your source of power lies. You have no right to complain. Oh Lord, I am so exhausted. He saved and sanctified you to exhaust you. That doesn't sound very comfortable. That doesn't sound like I'm going to sit in a pew and just receive, receive, receive. That sounds like, Hey, I'm coming in gathering every morning on Sunday. I'm really getting filled up and fellowshipping with other believers. I'm worshiping. I'm pouring out to God so that he can pour more into me to exhaust myself, to feed others, to serve others. The me mentality has to be squashed. We have to die to self as Paul says. When we're really living in the feed me mentality, there can be no revival because we make it all about us and not about God. I don't know if we're done with this episode. Honestly, after the guys listen, they may have some more things to add, but I know we have a really fun topic uh, coming up about caleb we really hope you enjoyed this episode check out our website at CharlieMikeintl.com. you can find other episodes on spotify apple google podcasts and you can even listen to our podcast on our website and youtube so we hope you enjoy god bless if you haven't surrendered your life to christ and are ready to come to god we at charlie mike would like to lead you in a prayer in just a moment but first we want to be clear praying a sinner's prayer is not a ticket into heaven these are not magic words you must follow christ and live for him you cannot receive salvation by your own merits but by what jesus has already done ask to receive the holy spirit to be filled and experience what god has for you you will not live the same life and you won't be able to keep jesus to yourself if you become a christ follower first john 2 4 tells us that the one who says i have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Those commandments are to love God and to love others. If you love God, you will follow him. And if you truly love others, you will want others to experience God and give their lives to him as well. So if you are ready to pray, pray this. God, I ask for forgiveness. I believe Jesus died for me and nothing I have done wrong is too great for the power of his blood that was shed for me. I am ready to forsake the world and live a changed life because I realize how much you love me. I love you and am ready to live for you. If you made the decision to surrender yourself to God and follow Jesus, I encourage you to spend time daily with Him in prayer, reading His Word and worshiping Him for who He is. Much will be revealed to you in this time with Him. Be a part of a community of believers who grow in the fullness of God's Word and join a church that does the same. Get involved and stay accountable with each other. Also, please let us know that you made this decision by emailing us at charliemike.me at gmail.com or message us on Facebook at facebook.com slash International.